Amen. All right. Good morning, Reach Church. And for those kids who are headed out to Reach Kids, they can shoot out now. All right. So, we are continuing in our series in Romans. Now, so far we have talked about how justification, how righteousness is by faith alone. And we've seen how that righteousness is by faith has been the only way to be righteous with God, to be good with God throughout all generations, throughout all history. And we saw that it was by faith that the promises of God are truly promises. That they're protected as promises, not as works. Now, some sermons are lighthearted and others are not. Others are, are harder sermons. And thankfully, that is not one of those today. So, <laughs> it's a good sermon. All right, it's a good time. So, today we're talking about the implications of the fact that we're justified. So, that, that justification by grace, that can be kind of a... It can feel kind of dead sometimes. And it doesn't mean a lot to us. It's something that we never actually really asked for. We never realized we needed or wanted. And so, it can fall flat. And justification can seem like this kind of big abstract thing way out in the distance. Or it's something that's way back in the past. That it's something that God gave us a long time ago. And it's kind of like one of those dusty old trophies that we have from, from soccer way back when. We were excited at the time, but now it's kind of grown old. We've forgotten about it. We've left it on its shelf. Our goal today is to, to look at justification by faith. And to see why it is such a joy. Why it, it, it is so amazing. And, and how we can rejoice in it afresh. So, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look first. Kind of the, the joys of justification by faith. We're going to see how that justification was earned. And then we're going to see how that justification gets even better when we see that it was by the very blood of Jesus Christ that it was earned. So, Let's turn to Romans 5 and look at verses 1 through 11. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. That endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one may dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We are reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Pray with me. Father, you are great. You are our glorious God. We, we long to be with you in the heavens, to be with you in your dwelling place. And Father, I ask that the joys and the glories of the gospel might not be lost on us, that they may not be lost in, in abstract concepts or, or big words, but that we would have a true idea of the joy that you have bestowed upon us. Would you help us to rejoice? Would you help us to enjoy the salvation we have found in you? I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, first we're going to look at the joys of our justification by faith. And Paul, he gives us, he gives us three main things to rejoice in. He gives us peace, access, and the hope of the glory of God. We're start, starting with peace. Verse 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Hang on. Peace is meaningless unless we recognize where we stood before with God. That we need peace with God because we were at war with God. We we're at war with God. That in our hearts, because of sin, we hated the kingdom of God. And if you, if you have looked deep into your heart, you can see that. That you have hated. That when the, when the light comes, that we have, we have shied away from it. That before our salvation, we, we heard talk of God. We talked work of, about the work of God and saw people who loved God and, and we rolled our eyes and we avoided it. We moved away. That, that is the state of all of us. That in our sin, we sinners love the darkness. And that God, when he came with his glory and with his light, we moved away. And we, in our sin, we perpetuated the darkness. We were at war with God. Now, what's the problem with being at war with God? You're going to lose. You're going to lose if you are at war with God. That we're talking about the omnipotent, all-glorious, all-holy God. And he is going to be victorious. Which meant that our futures ahead of us were nothing but defeat and destruction and decay. That when the light came upon us, we would be consumed. That the shadow that we are would be cast out and there would be nothing left. We are at war with God. But therefore, because of justification by faith, we have peace with this God. That the darkness inside of us, the sin inside of our hearts, was paid for in Jesus Christ. And now the, the war is over. And we have to push out our minds the thought that, no, God is never going to come back guns blazing. The peace that he has given us is, is eternal peace. There is no conflict there. 
There's no more animosity that there's perfect peace won through Christ. All right. I personally think that's the most boring of the ones that we're going to talk about today. And I think Paul agrees. Paul agrees. He says, he says and, and more, and more, and more. But the foundation is peace, that we are okay with God. But it's not this kind of abstract peace. They're like, okay, like, you're not going to destroy me, and, and we're good. No, it's much more than that. And, and Paul builds on it in verse 2. Look what he says. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So this peace that we have with God now, it's, it's personal peace. It's not just peace with a, with a government. It's, it's peace with God himself. And therefore we have access. Now that word access could be translated a few different ways. It's an introduction. An entrance. So we have VIP passes to the grace of God. That's what justification has given us. And now see what grace looks like here. So oftentimes grace in scripture, it looks like something that, it's a, it's a gift. It's something that you're, you're given and you kind of hold on to. That's not what we see in this passage. It's this grace in which we stand. The justification by faith is an entrance into, into a kingdom into a world of nothing but grace. A kingdom of grace. We think of it like, I, I think of it like the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So there's this, this magical wardrobe, and you enter into this, this new magical kingdom. That's what Paul is saying ju justification is. It's an entrance into this kingdom where grace reigns. Where everything is a gift, where everything is a blessing from God. And that we have access through Christ. Now, what does that, what does that mean? To have access to grace. I think throughout scripture, there's a couple ways that this is, this is fleshed out. The first of which is you have access to the God of grace. That you can enter now into the throne room. And you enter into the throne room, not of just this, this vague, omnipotent God, but of your Father. And you can ask him, in the kingdom of grace, for grace in times of need. Think of, of Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we can go to our Father and ask for things that we need. We can ask for gifts from Him. And in a kingdom of grace, He gives those things freely. Now, we need those things. We need the grace of, of patience with our kids. Of, of kindness with our spouses, of endurance at work. We need the things to live in this kingdom. That if we're going to dwell in the kingdom of grace, if we're going to represent this glorious God, he needs to bestow us upon with the, the gifts and the tools to do so. Paul is, Paul's 
pleading with the people, go, go into the realm of grace. That that is one of the joys and blessings of having peace with this God. But that, that's kind of one dimension of it. There's a second dimension. That in access to the God of grace, we have the joy of just being in his presence. That there's nothing more glorious than, than standing before him. And, and gazing upon his beauty to dwell with him. To dwell in the house of the Lord. And that through Christ we can do that. That before, before when we are at war with God, the darkness inside of us, the light would have consumed us. That we were not holy enough, we were too sinful to stand in God's presence. And standing there we would have felt nothing but shame and guilt and condemnation. That the holy, powerful God would have just crushed us. But now we can go into that, that same throne room and the perspective is totally different. That now this God who is so terrible and fearsome is now the God that is on our side. So to enter into his presence is the, is the greatest comfort. To know that all of this power, all of his holiness is, is on our side and is with us. I think of the Okay, so you see mother bears. All right, so if you're walking around in the forest, you see a bear, all right, you should be terrified. You should be terrified 10 times more if there's a cub with them. Because then, then you're going to be eaten alive to protect the cub. All right, this is, that was us before in sin. That like, when we see the bear, we are terrified because we're going to get destroyed. Now we're the cub. And we're like, okay, like, I kind of like the fact that my, my mom and my dad is, is terrible and scary and can eat people's faces off. Like, that's, that's actually a great comfort to me. <laughs> All right, that's, that's the difference now. That we go and we, we hang out with God. And he has our back. And all of the power of the universe is protecting us and sanctifying us and seeing through that, that the enemies are defeated. All right. Are you enjoying this gift? This gift of justification by faith. Are you going into the throne room? Are you using your access to God? There's no guilt in saying like, oh, it's just you're, you're a fool if you're not going because there are great joys there. There's no condemnation for it, but why would you not go? All right. Finally, finally, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right, so if we're standing in the throne room, if we can stand in the presence of God, that when God is victorious, when his glory goes forth, when his glory destroys everything that is evil, everything that is wicked, everything that is dark, we have the hope that when God is victorious, we will be victorious. That we will have victory. That our enemies will be conquered. That when the light comes and, and shines upon the whole cosmos, we will not be blotted out. But instead, we will be freed from our sin and from the darkness. We have hope of God's future glory. 
that when his glory comes, we will enjoy it and bask in it. All right. But there's more. There's more. Hope in the glory of God. We also have hope that, that when God's glory shines upon us, we will be glorious. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to, to be glorious? There's, there's two elements to it. First, you're glorious if you have a, has a certain fame to it. You are pleased, you are, you are well received. And so when the glory of God comes, the spotlight of God is going to come upon each of us. That God's face, God's, God's nuclear radiant face is going to look upon each one of us. And the question is, what, what is his face going to look like in that moment? When the glorious God looks at you, what is he going to what is he going to see? What is he going to say? I think we have to know that in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a smile on his face. And that he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we will see the glory and the fame of God that, that we have pleased the glorious one. That is our hope in Christ. That if we have been justified by faith, then we have pleased God in Christ. And when he looks upon us, he is not going to frown. He's not going to turn away. He didn't say, well done. Now that's, that's the first element of glory. To be, to be received by the glorious one. There's a second one though. And the second one is, is maybe even better. If you're like me, you look at yourself and you wonder, okay, am I, am I glorious? Answer would be no. No. <laughs> and we, we recognize that we want to be something that we are not. All of us. We want to be more amazing. We want to be more skilled. We want to be more beautiful. We want to be more powerful than we are. And yet we look at, look at what we are and what we want to be and we feel shame. And we feel exposed, we feel guilt, we see the darkness inside of each one of us. Now we rejoice in the hope of glory because when God's glory fills the earth, we will be glorified. Which means that, that the shame and the guilt and the darkness and sin will be wiped away completely. That's the first part of glorification. But the second part is we will be made like him. We will be glorified. And we will be the thing that we have always longed to be. That we would have, have a beauty and a power and a glory in and of ourselves. That we would shine with God. We would be, we'd be radiant stars alongside of him. The justification by Christ, by faith, Gives us hope in the glory of God. All right. Now, that's kind of future, future looking. And we long for that. But then Paul, Paul takes it one more step. One more step. 
Not only that, verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now what Paul is saying here is that already, right here and now, God is transforming us. He is changing us. He is working us towards that path to glorification. That's what sanctification is. It's, it's moving towards glory. And he's saying that God has given you the Holy Spirit and he's working that here and now. He is changing you. He's making you more mature, more beautiful, more glorious in the eyes of God. Now the hard part is that it comes through suffering. That's where God is very realistic. It's not all a kind of pie in the sky, things kind of just shooting lasers at us to transform us. It comes through suffering. But that in, in the kingdom of grace, in the realm of grace, even suffering is a gift. And he uses suffering itself to give us endurance. To give us enduring faith. Enduring obedience. Enduring sacrifice. And our character changes. Who we are changes. That we are transformed. And we start to see that our character is actually reflecting the character of God. That there is hope. Hope that what the Holy Spirit has begun, he will carry to completion. That we will reach that glory that is promised. And we're reaching it day by day. All right. What do you think? Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's where, that's where justification by faith, like, it can seem like this, like, boring, dead thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that when I was 10, when I prayed the prayer. Like, no, this is not something that you just, like, put on the shelf. This is radically changing your whole life. That you have a whole new relationship with the God of the universe. You can access this God and enter into the realm of grace. That you're being transformed day by day by the Spirit. That you're entering into his glory. That you have great hope. These are not dead things. Have you let justification be kind of boring? Or ho-hum? Or lifeless? Now there are glorious, amazing, unfathomable blessings here. And Paul's pleading that you would see them. This is, this is great. All right. So now, now that we're at the, at the heights, Paul then takes us back and he asks us and reminds us, now, how were all these glorious things one for you. Verse 6. How did this come about? For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That all of this happened 
through Christ because Jesus Christ died before any of this. Before we had any glory in ourselves. When we were still enemies of his. When we were still nothing but darkness. Christ died for the ungodly. And then he goes on, he starts to kind of explain what is hopefully obvious to all of us. Verse 7. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. All right, he's just making the simple case that you don't see people dying for people very often. And if you do, it's because like the firefighter is dying for the innocent child who is good, who is righteous. Now we think, we think of Oprah. All right, think, think of the Oprah, Oprah show. All right, so who gets a new car on Oprah? <laughs> all right, all right. So, so the person who gets a new car, all right, it's like, it's like that single mom who has adopted 10 special needs kids and like is this saint and she's destitute, but like all she ever says is that like she's been so blessed and she's the richest woman in the world. And then, after all that, she hear, oh, and, and someone stole my, my giant van. <laughs> my giant Umberger Garber van was stolen. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, no. All right. And this is all built up. Like, look at this person. And then, when you give them the, the new van, everyone's losing their mind and like, hooray. Like, the good person finally gets the good thing. We love that because we want like, oh, because we all think we're good and like good people should get good things. All right, what if Oprah instead had the thief onto the show and said, you know, you, you really needed a car. How about I give you a Ferrari? And everyone, like people lose their minds the other way and they'd go crazy. Like, how dare you? All right, the second one is the gospel. The second one is the gospel. Look at verse 8. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the point. Is that we are sinners. And the point of dying for sinners is that God might show his love. A love that doesn't make sense. A love that we have not earned. A love that is not because of our performance, it's in spite of our performance. That that is God's love. And in his love, he, he took his son, who in every regards deserved the well-done, good and faithful servant, and, and condemned him to the cross. He was humiliated he was destroyed. That darkness was allowed to consume him. And when God looked upon his son on the cross, he was not smiling. He was displeased. He was seeing the sin of all of us and pouring his wrath upon him. Now that is how our salvation, this is how just, this is justification by faith. This is how all of those glorious things were earned. 
And then Paul comes back and he says, okay, let's, with that kind of in the background, let's kind of go through another round of praise. And look at verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Now what did verse 1 say? Verse 1 was reminding us, no, we are justified by faith. But Paul increases it and he says, no, it's, it's not just this kind of vague out there faith. It's you've been justified. You've been made right with God because of the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the humiliation of Jesus. That is where your faith lies and what Jesus Christ has done. And he starts to draw out implications of that. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now he's saying if, if God was willing to, to sacrifice his own son, he will surely save you. He will surely see you to the end. He's not going to waste the sacrifice. There's no room for doubt. He will save. And then he takes it one step further. Verse 10. For if while we are enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. That all of this amazing stuff was earned by the death of Jesus. While we were still sinners. And now, if that was so great, what does that mean if we are now reconciled and Jesus Christ didn't just die, he was raised from the dead? If Jesus' death did so much, what is his life going to do for us? Because our Savior is not dead. He's alive. And his death was only half of the work that he did. That he rose from the dead. And if a dead Savior did all of these glorious things, what is a living Savior going to do? That is Paul's question. And we remember that, that our Savior has already been glorified. That he is already standing in the heavenly throne room with access to God. He has already been, been received as the, the well-done, good and faithful servant. He has already been gloriously transformed. Revelation talks about how his eyes were like fire, that his skin was like burnished bronze, that his face radiated like the sun, his voice was like many waters. This is our glorified Savior. And the fact that our Savior is glorified is a guarantee that we will be glorified too. That we who are in Christ will be with Christ. And we will be like Christ. And we are merely experiencing a taste of the glories that are before us and the blessings that are before us. That 
Most of our lives are, are focused on the death of Christ, but there's the glories of Christ ahead. And that's where, where Paul kind of takes it full circle. Verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He comes back and says, you know, this reconciliation thing, this justification by faith, are you able to rejoice in it now? Are you able to give glory to God? To delight in God? To bask in the glory and goodness and love of God? Are you able to today? Are you overwhelmed with the, the blessings of God and Jesus Christ? The things he has lavished upon us and that are in Christ are promises. These are promises in Christ because Christ has already done them and we are in Christ. We have every reason to rejoice. Every reason to just bask in the glory of God and to praise him. Let's pray. We rejoice in you, Father. Thank you that we can come before your throne. Thank you before that, that we can dwell in the kingdom of grace with you. That even suffering is a gift from your hands and Father, you are using it to bring us from one glory to the next. You are building in us hope of the glory that is already won in Christ. Father, we ask that you would give us perseverance and joy and hope. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that he is sanctifying us and changing us day by day. Father, these are things that are too glorious to be grasped. And Father, I ask that you would protect us from doubt. Protect us from, from killing these things with works or with performance. But that you would receive these things as sinners. Sinners we were and sinners we are, but sinners we will no longer be in the glorious place that you have for us. So Father, give us great joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.